You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. part that when we are obedient, our faith is rewarded. We forget the part that when we go and do what God has called us to do, there is great reward out there. There is great joy. There is great peace. People will get saved. People's hearts will be touched. And the gospel message will go forth. And you will have joy inexpressible. When we walk in obedience to the will of God, we always get to see God's hand at work. It is so cool when that happens. Have you ever felt as though being obedient to the Lord is often burdensome? Well, this notion is rather common. Nothing could be further from the truth. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that while serving the Lord has its fair share of challenges, nothing is greater than to play a part in His will. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 8 as he continues his message, Revival of One. Acts 8, verse 26. Now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go go toward the south along the road which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. The Holy Spirit was making a move. The Holy Spirit decided it was time to go. Remember, it is a movement of the Holy Spirit that characterizes a true revival. Now Philip, being full of the Holy Spirit and being sensitive to the Spirit's leading, Philip was sensitive to the Spirit's leading, he obeys completely. Wow. The Spirit was moving and had chosen one of the participants in this new revival. One who was willing. One who was obedient. One who wanted nothing more than to be used by the Lord. And one who had enough spiritual understanding to realize not to resist the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Many, I talk to many of you, and you tell me you want to be used by the Lord, and you want the Lord to do this, and you want the Lord to do that, and you want the Lord to work mighty in your life. Is the Lord telling you, yeah, I want you to do this, and you're going, I can't go there? I, I, I can't go there. I can only imagine what it must have been like for John and Cheryl when the Lord said, I want you to go to Panama. What? Panama? They don't even speak English down there. Now, that's where I want you to go. That's what's happening here. I know I would have argued with the Lord. Lord, there's a great revival going on here. Look at the people getting saved. Churches are being built. Things are happening. Come on. This is great. Do you know what's in the desert? There's lizards there. Creepy, crawly things. You want me to go there? It's hot, sticky. You know how I hate the heat. Come on, Lord. I have to. That's what I would do. I don't want to go to the desert. I would probably cry, stomp my feet like a little child. I don't want to go. I mean, put yourself in Philip's sandals. Put yourself where he is. He's not one of the 12. Philip is one, isn't one of the 12. He's not even the big three. Peter, James, and John, the big three, he's not even one of them. But something is happening in Samaria. It's the Samaritan crusade. 
People are getting saved left and right. Even Satan had been defeated when Satan tried to come through Simon to come into the church. He'd been defeated and sent and packing on his way. Everyone in his town, oh, how happy. Happy days are here again. Lord, you want me to go where? There's lizards in the desert. I don't like spiders and snakes. You want me to go where? The desert? That's not how Philip responded. That's not how what it says Philip responded. Philip responded perfectly to God's call, to the Lord's call. Why? Because he was ready to serve. He was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He knew that if God would call him, God would provide him. God would enable him. God would empower him. And he recognized that. If God calls you to a ministry, God gives you everything you need for that ministry and above. And continually provides you if that ministry is truly where he's called you. He continues to provide for you. Philip never questioned the Lord. Philip never doubted. Isn't that wonderful? What an example we have in front of us of a person who is truly sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and who's truly in touch with the Holy Spirit. He never questioned. He never doubted. He would go anywhere the Lord was asked because Philip was flexible. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. He was sensitive to the Spirit's leading. But most of all, he was obedient to God. He was obedient to God's call. Look at verse 27a. So he arose and went, wow. Okay. That's where I'm going. Okay, Lord. Okay. I love Philip's faith. But Philip's faith was rewarded when he stepped out in obedience to God. See, we forget that part. We forget the part that when we are obedient, our faith is rewarded. We forget the part that when we go and do what God has called us to do, there is great reward out there. There is great joy. There is great peace. People will get saved. People's hearts will be touched. And the gospel message will go forth. And you will have joy inexpressible. When we walk in obedience to the will of God, we always get to see God's hand at work. It is so cool when that happens. But the Holy Spirit had been preparing another heart that day. He had been preparing another heart that he was going to use for. Another willing subject in this revival, and this person would be the actual subject of the revival. He was an Ethiopian eunuch. Look in verse 27 as it continues. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of the great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of the treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. He was coming back from Jerusalem. He had come all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship because that's where the Jews went. He was a Gentile, a proselyte, looking for God. He had gone to Jerusalem. It was a long, long way, but something was wrong. His heart was not satisfied. Religion never satisfies the heart. Religion doesn't satisfy the heart. When we do things for God and we do acts, it satisfies the flesh, but it does not satisfy our heart. God was clearly working upon this guy's heart. He had come a long way. I mean, look at the map from Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem. He had come a long, long way, but his fire in his life was not quenched. The Lord had placed a hunger in his heart, a hunger to know the truth, a hunger to be set free from bondage. The Lord had placed a hunger and thirst for righteousness in his heart. And when that happens, Jesus says, oh, how happy is this kind of man. In Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus says, blessed, oh, how happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why are they happy? 
for they shall be filled. They shall be filled when they're seeking after the Lord. Blessed are those that hunger. This describes a profound hunger that cannot be satisfied by a snack. This hunger won't be satisfied by waffles and ice cream. Waffles and ice cream will only satisfy your flesh. This true spiritual hunger will not be satisfied by a snack. You want pure meat. You want pure longing, thirst, hunger that endures forever, but you will never be completely satisfied on this side of eternity. But God will fill you, and he will fill you, and he will feed you. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. In this day of modern Christianity, there are Christians who hunger and thirst for many, many different things. Power, authority, success, comfort, happiness. But do we hunger for righteousness? Do we thirst for righteousness? Do we thirst to be holy? Is that what we want to do? Do we thirst to be holy? This is a complete hunger of righteousness. It's a complete righteousness. It's not enough to soothe a guilty conscience. It's not enough just to soothe your guilty conscience. This hunger can only be satisfied by God himself. Do we seek after that kind of hunger? Is that the way you seek after God? With a hunger that is unquenchable. The promise here is that they shall be filled. And this is a strange feeling that both satisfies and keeps us longing for more. We are completely satisfied, but oh, I want more. Oh, I want more of God. Oh, I want more of his word. Oh, I want to pray more, and I want to be on my heart before him, and I want to be on my knees. It it satisfies me so much, but oh, I know there's more, and I want it. That's what this does. Do you have this hunger and thirst for God? Do you have this hunger and thirst for righteousness in your life? If this is what you seek, you shall be filled. You shall be filled. The great, beautiful scripture in Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You just can't search for God halfway. It's got to be with all your heart. When you seek him with all your heart, he, you will find him. He will let you find him and he will nourish you and fill you. Philip sees this man sitting in a chariot and he hears this guy reading out loud and is astonished that he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. He's astonished that this black man, this Ethiopian, is reading from one of his prophets, prophet Isaiah, and he's astonished. Acts 8.28, and he was sitting there, the man was sitting in his chariot and he was reading prophet Isaiah. Look at Philip's obedience, the spirit of the, said to Philip in Acts 29-30. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? Can you imagine how amazed Philip was when he heard this? He's got to be looking around like, Is this a setup? This can't be this easy. Witnessing is supposed to be difficult. This, is, this can't be easy. This is too easy. This is, I can imagine this, Paul and Silas had the same look on their face when the, when the jailer in Philippi fell on him and said, What must I do to be saved? Paul looked aside and says, he's kidding, right? We, we love those kind of questions. Wouldn't it be great if you just walk in a store and people go, what we got to do to be saved? What? You would look around like, wait a minute. You look, where's the camera? You would look around like, what's going on here? Would did we be that simple? But it is that simple. It is that simple as we carry Christ with us. As we carry the Holy Spirit, it is that simple. And you can find out how simple it is. Follow along here. Philip was so excited that he ran. And he's going to follow the Lord. He ran up to this chariot. He ran to this chariot, overtook it. 
Guess what this is? This is a divine appointment. This is a divine appointment set up by God and God alone. And he took two people. He took a message bearer, someone who was sensitive to the Holy Spirit, someone who was filled with the Holy Spirit, someone who was ready to give the message, couldn't wait to give that message, and he took somebody who was searching, somebody who was looking for God, looking for him, and he places them together, and boom, salvation. What a wonderful thing. It happens every single day. It's called a divine appointment. It's called a divine appointment. If we would obey the Lord's leading and be sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit, we too can be sure that God will go before us and he will open doors as we get there. And he will prepare our hearts as we get there. And when we open our mouths and start to speak, the Spirit of God, which is already working in both lives, will hit like a brick and people will be saved. People will be saved. And that's what we're learning here today. Divine appointments await us today. We have to be sensitive and obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we've been talking about that even with Jesus. Jesus was sensitive to the Spirit's leading. I must needs go to Samaria. And he went down there to talk to one lady, one woman, one broken-hearted lady sitting at a well that day. That's all he went down there. Philip runs to the chariot. He didn't stand in front of the chariot with his thumb out and a sign that said, Have spirit, we'll travel. He didn't stand there and said, This is Philip's school of evangelism. Come on over here and you'll be saved. No, he ran along the side. All he did was strike up a conversation with the guy. That's all he did. We've been talking about that. Speaking to somebody, saying hello to somebody, treating them like they are somebody. Treating these people like they're human beings and just said hello. Philip runs up and strikes up a conversation. Do you understand what you're reading? It's a simple conversation. It's a simple question, and it encourages an answer. It's encouraging it to an answer. Wouldn't it be great to be on an airplane? Wouldn't it be great to sit there on an airplane, you're flying off, somebody goes, uh, I'm reading John 3 about being born again. Does anybody know what that is? What's that about? Can you imagine sitting there what? Can you imagine that? The Holy Spirit can do that kind of thing. But we make it so different. We make, want to make it so spiritual. Gotta wait for the sign. I'm not gonna move over there until I get the sign. I'm gonna wait. I've walked by 47 times. That person hasn't even looked at me. Maybe if I walk by again, they'll look at me, and I, that's the cue. When they look at me, I'm going in. We make it so difficult. We make it so hard, but all it is is simple, hey, how you doing? How you doing? We engage in conversation because that's what people do. People talk. We engage in a simple conversation, and the Lord moves mightily if we would just open our mouths. Philip opens his mouth. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what happens? You know, sometimes the simplest ways in life lead to the biggest rewards. Sometimes it's the simplest things that lose to these huge rewards. And what is a bigger reward than salvation? Would somebody tell me what it is, please? I want to know what it is. There's nothing greater than salvation. And if you've ever led anybody to the Lord, man, that's special. That is majorly special. But the man says something interesting here in verse 31. It's, it's the same thing. It goes along with our theme here. And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come and sit with him and guide him through the scriptures. Philip's got to be looking around. He's got to be wondering what's going on here. The Apostle Paul has this great, great thing in, in, in the book of Romans when he's talking to the church at Rome. And in chapter 10, he says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he says, how then shall they call upon him whom they've not believed? 
And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad, glad tidings of good things. You can find that in Romans 10, verses 13 through 15. Paul declares that in order to preach the gospel, you have to be sent. Philip was sent. Philip was sent to God. We've been sent by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has given us the authority to go and preach the gospel message. The Great Commission in Matthew 28. We've been given that. It's conceivably that God could have chosen any means for this message of salvation to come. He could have chosen any means. Angelic beings could come and, and give the message of salvation. He could, could have chosen a dumb animal. Careful. He could have chosen anything, but he's chosen us. He's given us the responsibility. He's given us the responsibility to bring this gospel message. He brings normal people to a message of Jesus Christ. We are the preachers. We're the ones that are being sent. And God now was ready to use Philip in a special way, in a most special and positive way. And this is called beautiful feet. Not happy feet or dancing feet. It's beautiful feet. When somebody brings the message of salvation, they partner with God for the salvation of men. Feet speak of activity. It speaks of an action, a motion, a progress. And those who are active in making work and preaching the gospel, they have beautiful feet. That's what the Scripture's talking about. So coincidence that the Scripture that the Ethiopian was reading was from Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Can you imagine that? Look at verse 32 of our study of Acts. The place in the Scripture which he read was, He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. What a wonderful, beautiful passage from the prophet Isaiah. It's describing God's suffering servant. You know, Isaiah 53 deals entirely with Jesus Christ. It deals with his birth. It deals with his life and his ministry. It deals with his substitutionary death. And it deals with the victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Isaiah 53, a beautiful, beautiful passage. One that the, that the Jewish people will deny. And I think it's hysterical. Have you, asked any, have, you, have you ever asked a Jewish person if they read Isaiah 53? I usually get the same response when I ask that. I always say, when we start talking to them, I go, well, have you read Isaiah 53? How do you reconcile that? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. You want me to say it's about Jesus. You want, I said, no, I don't want you to say about Jesus. I want you to tell me what it is. You're the one that's saying it about Jesus. That's what they always say. They always try to fight back at you. It is a clear picture of the Messiah. It's a clear picture of the suffering Messiah. The Ethiopian was focused on two verses, verses 7 and 8, which describe our Lord as a willing sacrifice for sinners, even to the point of losing his human rights. Philip asked the question. The Ethiopian eunuch answered him and said, I ask of you, what, whom does the prophet say of this? Is it of himself or another man? Again, Philip's saying, oh, Lord, it can't be this easy. Oh, Philip's starting to realize why he came down to the desert. Philip thought his new ministry was going to be the lizards and snakes. And here he is preaching to the Ethiopian guy in the chariot. Philip is obedient to the Lord one more time, and he opens his mouth, and he preaches Jesus, the central figure of life, the central figure of everlasting life, and the central figure of a revival, Jesus Christ. He preaches Christ. What a wonderful Bible study that must have been. 
What a wonderful time. I'm sure he took them through the entire 12 passages and verses of 53 that describe Jesus' royal lineage, his incarnation, and his vicarious atonement. We, like sheep, all have gone astray. Each of us have turned his own way, and the Lord has placed on him the iniquity of us all. Wow. I'm sure Philip then pulled out several messianic psalms, like Psalm 22. I wonder how long it lasted. Not only was the Ethiopian convinced He was marvelously converted. What a glorious day for the kingdom as another soul is kept out of hell. What a glorious day. The gospel, the power of the gospel here is clearly seen. The power of someone to explaining the gospel and the eager listener and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is a divine appointment. This is what happens. This is what happens when we decide to take it on the road, when we decide to share God's love. We're all so nervous. We're all so bent up and tied. Should we or shouldn't we? Gee, do I speak to the person? I better not. Yeah, yeah, better. No, I better not. Yeah, I better. We get all so tied up. If we just step forward and open our mouth boldly and allow the Holy Spirit to do its work, oh my gosh, how wonderful it would be. It gets better. As they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Wow. Now, verse 37 does not appear in a lot of text. It appeared in the Latin translation, but it doesn't appear in a lot of the original text. However, there is nothing unbiblical about it. It is not an unbiblical verse. If you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, Paul said if you believe with your heart, or excuse me, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where that verse comes. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So that scripture, even though it doesn't appear in some text, it is biblical. It is not unbiblical. It hasn't been just added in there. It does appear in the Latin translation, which is where they got it from. Ethiopian believes on Jesus Christ and was born again. The Ethiopian believes on Jesus Christ. This was such a real experience that he insisted on stopping. He insisted on stopping right away. He stopped the entire caravan. Now we think of him just by himself. We think of the Ethiopian Ethiopian eunuch here in the chariot all by himself. No, he was a treasury for Candace, this queen of Ethiopia. So he had a long caravan with him. He had a lot of people that went with him. It wasn't just him. He was probably the leader of this caravan. And he stops the entire caravan. Maybe he just wanted everyone to see what had happened in his life. Maybe he wanted to proclaim Jesus to the rest of the people, but it doesn't really matter. They have this beautiful setting of this desert. They must have been, since there's water there, it had to have been some kind of an oasis, right? So there had to be some trees and stuff. Imagine this beautiful setting. Philip and the Ethiopian guy jump out of the chariot. They go into the water, and Philip baptizes them right there. What a glorious baptism service this must have been. The entire entourage looking on. And I wonder how many of them were saved because of what they saw and what they heard. How many of them were saved on the way home to Ethiopia as the Ethiopian eunuch now, a new born-again believer, couldn't keep his mouth shut and continued to preach Jesus and continued to preach the gospel. Something happened crazy when they came out of the water. Philip's gone. Philip's gone. He disappears. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. The word caught away is the word harpezio, which is where we get our word rapture. He was caught away. He was taken away by the Spirit. Not taken to heaven, he was just taken away. We find him again later. In Ethiopia, it's like he came out, Philip's gone, and he just goes on his way rejoicing. 
He just gone on his way rejoicing. It's incredible. You are Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Acts when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Acts. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this New Testament book right here on A Sure Hope.